Welcome to the Earn in the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans, for wrestling fans, looking at everything happening inside and outside the ring each and every week. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster, joined by my co-host, professional rugby player, Charlie Beckett, who has been in decoration mode this week. You've been busy. Yes, I'm paving the front room. It doesn't look quite like uh, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel quite yet but I've done my first layer and my job today is the second layer how much paint ended up on the walls versus on you um thankfully more on the walls but more on me than there should have been it, it, I was covered I keep finding so I went and showered obviously after and then for the next, that was two days ago I did the first one I've been busy with work so I haven't been able to since then again I'm today I've been finding so much paint on me since then that I didn't manage to shower off like in the backs of my knees and stuff I'm like how did that get there I imagine you're like when Asuka hits the mist on someone and it takes them yeah. days to get the mist off. It's sort of like that, but with, I don't know, Dulux emulsion paint. Yeah, the, the bit I don't understand is it's on my big toes, but I was wearing socks. <laughs> so I don't get that. I don't understand it. This is just, I think, your incompetence. But this is not a decorating podcast. Yeah, you, can't, you can't just segue that quickly from an insult that. This is just your incompetence. Anyway, wrestling, that's so rude. I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. Let me put it this way. You are far more competent than I would be. But this isn't why people are here. They're not here to listening about your uh, your decorating woes. They want no, to talk no, wrestling. And we've had uh, plenty to go on this week. Survivor Series was a home run. William Regal was betrayed by MJF. Sami Zayn continues to be the best thing in pro wrestling. We will talk about all of it on the show. But let's start with Survivor Series. Last Saturday, the continuation of... Of the soap opera spectacular between the Bloodline and Sami Zayn. We also saw the return of Becky Lynch in the women's war games match, a great triple threat match for the US title. All the focus though on Reigns, Sami, KO and the Bloodline. Charlie, uh, out of 10, what are you giving Survivor Series before we dig into it? Uh, what am I giving Survivor Series out of 10 as a whole show? Probably about an eight. That yeah. was a really, really good show. Really good show. Without any moments that we talked about forever. If you know what I mean, it's not got those matches and moments we talked about forever. But I thought it was a really good show. Three hours. It's it's just it's just a tired and tested formula. Tied tied and tested, tried and tested formula. Give me wrestling shows that are around three hours to three and a half hours, and I'll be a happy bunny. Uh, I thought it flowed really well. Didn't think there was a bad match on the card. I think when your when your sleeper match is AJ Styles versus Finn Balor, mm. I think your card's okay. Uh, Bigger BJ getting his first win in about nine years. Well done, AJ. Um, <laughs> did you see yeah. BT Sport flag that up? They did literally yeah. a graphic. So essentially, the graphic was how crap is AJ Styles at pay per view, yeah. and it laid it all out. It was brutal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I also saw the interview where they called out Finn Balor for stealing their graphic and taking the BT Sport watermark off it, and that got a little bit awkward. Um, <laughs> That was in a live interview. Couldn't believe it. Uh, but no, really, really good show. Really enjoyed it. I like that. I like the old Survivor Series style matches, the elimination matches. But if we're not going to have a reason to have them, then making War Games a Survivor Series stipulation makes more sense because I think it's easier to fabricate a reason for having War Games, which we've seen in um, NXT over the years, and even AEW Blood and Guts. You can fabricate a reason to have a War Games match yeah. more easily than you can. A five-man, five-person elimination tag and, ooh, brand supremacy. So um, I really, really enjoyed it. What did you think? Three hours, ten minutes was about what it ran in at, which I thought was fantastic and way shorter than I thought it would be. I thought it was an excellent pay-per-view. I, um, I, I really like War Games matches. I, I find... 
sometimes you watch them and because you know the ending isn't going to come till about half an hour in, you, you can find yourself occasionally looking at your phone, doing other things. I thought that was true a little bit of the women's match just because it didn't have as much storytelling going in as the men's match. But that men's match was all story from the moment that the two teams came through the curtain. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought the way they told it through the show was just brilliant. And and again, we're seeing the stipulations match the story. I thought that main event was absolutely tremendous. All about Sami Zayn and his loyalty. Yeah, and like you say, the fact it built through the show with the little segments is brilliant. My favourite moment was when um, the first ones let out the shark cage for the bloodline. And obviously Jimmy's going to save Jay and Roman just puts his hand out and sends Sammy. I just it's just the little things like that are so good. Um my favorite thing about war games is everyone's like, oh, such a brutal match for every competitor. Jay Uso was in there for 38 minutes. Roman Reigns, I timed it. He was in there for 10 minutes for 12 seconds. There's a little <laughs> bit of a difference there in how much work they've done and picking up their paycheck. Uh but no, the story term was outstanding. Putting KO in the middle of it is just um, it's just such an obvious but genius move because I love they're leaning into the history mm. of Sammy and Cam. I'm sure we'll get on to Raw, but I love that Sammy's now at the point where he's like, yeah, I've loved you, I've hated you, we've teamed, we fought. I'm just done with you now. Because that's as big as insult as it gets. To to get to the point where you make your long, like the, you, the man you're going to fight forever with, everyone knows they're intertwined together forever. To just say he's done, I thought that was very, very clever. On, uh, on Monday night. It's almost the toxic relationship that we've either all perhaps been in or we've all seen where you do love each other, you hate each other, you fight, you argue, you ball each other out in the street. And then you just get to the point where you go, enough, we're done. And I don't think we've seen that in wrestling before, actually, because what they could have done is had Kevin Owens come out and do that cliched, man, I'm going to track you down, Sammy, you betrayed me. But actually for him just to go, okay, we, we've done this to each other for long enough. Let's do something else. I mean, that storyline on its own, Sammy and KO, is golden. And the fact that that is taking a backseat to Sammy and the bloodline shows how good that is. On the scale, on the scale of professional wrestling storylines that we've seen over the past 20 years, where does this fit in story alone? How good is it? For me, there are three long-term storytelling um, arcs in the last th- four, maybe in the last twenty years that I can think of. Okay. Um, there's Batista and Evolution. Yep. That was a very slow, long burner. In a less storytelling, more saga way, there was the years of WrestleMania um, twenty five to twenty eight with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H intertwined each other's lives forever. That's a great shout. I'd forgotten about that one, but yes. Yeah, because it's less story, more saga. It's more like they they don't do anything with each other for nine months, and WrestleMania season rolls around. It's like, oh, here we go again. The three of them are back. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's then one of my old... My favourite of these three, there's Gargano and Ciampa in NXT, Mm -hmm. obviously. Right from the Cruiserweight Classics there, last match. And then genuinely, this is up there already. Can I throw in all... the Festival of Friendship as well and the Jericho yes, KO? I've forgotten about that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're the ones that, that this is in the ether of, I'd say, and they're they're the best we can think of. Now, all of those ones I've just spoken about, I'd say, Batista and Evolution um, hit the landing. I would say, Undertaker. If you finished it, 
if you finished it at the end of WrestleMania 28, which for their three-story, if you forget about stupid tag team match that never happened. Never happened. Because it, ha- it happened in Saudi Arabia, so it doesn't count. We don't know what they you're talking about. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Never they happened. stuck the landing. Gargano and Ciampa had their knees taken away from them by the pandemic and having their last match in the pandemic. And if anyone in the listen to this podcast thinks they're done with each other in WWE, then I think you're a fool. I think when Mr. Tommaso Ciampa's back, I think we'll see each other put together very quickly. If this sticks the landing, which, God, I don't know when they're landing or how they're landing, it could go right to the top for me. This is just exceptional stuff. It, it's... I don't know how they've done it. I was looking back at, at the storyline arc of where this began, and it began in April as almost a joke. And now we're genuine in the point. We threw up on social media. Would anyone but Sami Zayn be a disappointment challenging for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Now, 40% said Sami, 40% said Cody, 20% said The Rock. So The Rock is already below those two other options. So let's talk about it here. Would anyone but Sami Zayn challenging Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship at WrestleMania be a disappointment? For me, that's I can't think of a better match. And then I would then I right now I'd I don't want Sammy to win it. I don't I don't see who's a better option for your long term long term payoff. And then I'd build twelve months later I'd have Sammy and KO. I'd have I'd have KOB's buddy by him in the match and then turn on him round Rumble time and build to KO. So you know what I do the classic. I would mirror him walking out. Obviously not the night he wins it, but at one point in a defense, a title defense, him walking up the ramp with Sammy, like at the end of when he won the NXT title, and then bang, he power bombs on the stage, and that's it. I turn him the exact same way because KO ain't a good person. Mm. He has, I mean, the real life Kevin Owens seems like a wonderful person. Yeah. By the way, he seems like a brilliant person, but Kevin Owens, the wrestler, is not a good person. Let's get that out there right now. Here's where I'm struggling with it because I think it has to be Sammy, but I cannot see a way they turn him, say a month before, and then the credibility continues for a month. Do you see what I mean? I think if Sammy is going to turn on Roman. He almost needs to turn and win the title within that same instant. Because say Sammy turns, I don't know if we've got a, a fast lane or something coming up, but for argument's sake, we have. If he turns at fast lane to give you six weeks build, how the, the joy of this story is waiting for the betrayal. And once the betrayal happens, either the bloodline on Sammy, Sammy on the bloodline, I think some of the luster goes. This is why I would have put the money in the bank briefcase on him. Yeah. I think that was your bet. I think that that was the best storytelling device for what you need because it needs to be an instant turn, like you say, and an instant gratification almost. I don't see how, like you say, how do you keep Sammy credible for six weeks? I, I, which is a horrible thing to say, isn't it? Because he's a really good wrestler, but I don't see where the storyline. I don't know. But also, in April, if you'd said to me, I remember, I remember Sammy Zayn getting involved with Bloodline the first time. I love Sammy Zayn. I've been a big fan of Sammy Zayn for a long time. I was thinking, what the hell is he doing? This is just weird and stupid and rubbish. So I have a lot of trust in this WWE to make it work. 
Yeah, and I was looking back at, uh, for some reason, Clash at the Castle footage came up on my suggested videos, and I was thinking, God, we were all so convinced it had to be Drew at this point, and we've all been convinced at various points. However, little fancy booking challenge for next week's show. We would like you to tell us how you would have Sami Zayn win the title. That's a challenge we want to throw out to listeners, so we're going to have a little think about how we would do it. We'd like you to do it as well. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Merley a week to start your fantasy booking on how Sami Zayn wins a title from Roman Reigns. And let's say you have to go in that direction. If you think there's another direction to go in, well, we're all ears for that as well. Away from the main event, we saw Becky Lynch return, uh, helping her side win the Women's War Games match, which started things off. Uh, Always great to have the man come back around, Charlie. Becky Lynch back on telly where she belongs. Yeah, brilliant to see her. It seems like she's back in her full man persona rather than big time Becky, which never really stuck for me. She's back as a face, I think, which is right because everyone just wants to cheer her. Just gives absolute out and out star power to that women's division and just big fight feel whenever she's around. She is the man. She has to be that persona. What did you think of the women's war games match? I, I thought it was I thought it was an a really good match. I thought there's a lot of standing around and I'm not convinced that isn't just what happens in war games sometimes in between people arriving. Yeah, I think it was hurt by the fact that the other war games match had such huge storyline in it when sometimes yeah. they don't all the time. I think that that hurt it potentially. Um, it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination, but it, of the war games matches we've seen in WWE, I'd say it was down towards the bottom end, unfortunately. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I did think it was great to have Becky back. It looks like she's going to go straight into a feud with Damage Control, who are slotting into the Judgment Day role of the stable that I just, I don't like them. I don't, I cannot get behind this stable. I don't know what you do to heat them up to, I mean, how do you make them? Is, Is it just me, firstly? Am I the only one who's down on Damage Control to this extent? I don't hate them. I'm very nondescript towards them. That's it. Which just means, yeah, that means they're not doing the job. I, I would just go straight into a big Bailey Becky feud and have damage control. Do you have Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, Io Sky, sorry, just there as her hench women? But I would focus on Becky Bailey. Yeah, that's where the money is. I just, when they come onto the screen, I just don't think something is clicking and they've done everything heinous you can do. I mean, they took out Becky Lynch. You can't get much more heinous than that. Great to have her back. Hey, I tell you what over delivered for me on this card, which was a good card. Theory, Seth and Lashley had a banger of a triple threat match. That was terrific. Yeah, the boys went at it, didn't they? The didn't boys they went just at it. Seth Rollins does good triple threats, though. Yes. He does good triple threats. Let's never, ever, ever forget his triple threat with Lesnar and Cena, I think the 2015 World Rumble. He's he's good in triple threats. He had that um, great one at WrestleMania, didn't he, for the Intercontinental title? With, with Finn and The, the Miz, Miz. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That opened the show at WrestleMania 34, yep. maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really good match. Really good. I like that WWE just giving us fun matches to watch. And would I have done what they did with Austin Theory? No, you'll never, ever, ever, ever get me to change my mind on that, I don't think. Am I pleased they're doing something with it? Yeah, because let's not kill the kids' career. And also, Triple H doesn't care anymore. In that press conference after, when he's like, oh, good for Austin Theory, two weeks ago his career was dead, and now he's the US champion. How has that happened? I'm like, go on, Paul. Well, also, uh, and we'll come back to the triple threat, but in We're Really Living in Triple H's World, 
how cool was it that we got a little Billy Regal acknowledgement from Triple yes. H? Say yeah. that little, and maybe that will link into what we'll talk about a little bit later. But you can just tell this is a different style of WWE. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a bad decision to have Theory lose a Money in the Bank briefcase like that. But if you're Triple H and you're going, I need to get the title, the, the briefcase off him, I still wouldn't have done it in the way he's done it. But at least it's building to something. And he is... Whatever we think of him, he's got all the tools. He's got the body. He's got the look. He can talk. He hasn't ever been put in a situation where you go, oh, he's not lived up to his end of the bargain. So you can see why they're going with him. And he's a good heel. Yeah. He's very, for, for a lot of the reasons you just said, he's very easy to hate. So, yeah, I, I think I think, I, I think in theory will be around WWE for a long time. I think he'll have a successful career. And I'm pleased that they've moved on quickly from the cashing because that is a blip that will never leave him. He'll always be the guy who cashed on the US title and failed. Always. But it doesn't mean he can't get on and have a successful career. It doesn't mean he can't do other things as well. And and I, do you know what? This is going to go back to your old Jersey rugby housemates. I sometimes forget how big a boy Bobby Lashley is. Because you look at him in there with Seth Rollins, who is you know, CrossFit. I mean, all these guys are athletes, right? But Seth Rollins has sort of like, I would say, a normal fit body. And then Austin Theory has a men's health cover model body. And then Bobby Lashley walks out and you sort of forget just what a what a specimen he is. He looks like he's out of um, out of a science lab, doesn't he? He just is, he looks like, like a prototype super soldier from Marvel. He's just, he's incredible. And something you say about uh, George Eastwell and his weird love for Bobby Lashley when no one was high on Bobby. Um, we actually spoke about Bobby Lashley this week, hilariously, um, because George used to say all the time, iron sharpens iron. It was one of his favourite sayings. It's a very good saying. Yeah. I saw that um, Bleach Report Wrestling used it to talk about uh, the danielson Dax Harwood match this yeah. week. And I sent it to George and I said, they're stealing your catchphrases now, mate. And he said, only Bobby would be allowed to say that. It was just when he was in the corner. I think it was for that, that spear spot. And he came up and I was just looking at his shoulders. And yeah. Like, you are, you are ridiculous. I tell you what, though, look at where we are in wrestling now. We have just seen Butch main event Survivor Series. How much did we hate the Butch name when he came in? Now it sort of fits him. We're seeing NXT mainstay, main eventing Survivor Series. We're seeing Ridge Holland, huge moment for British wrestling. Two Brits in that main event, plus Drew McIntyre as a Scott is a third Brit. Hell of a hell of a time for British wrestling. Well, you look at that. The the Brawling Brutes team, three Brits and an Irishman. Mm. I always this is gonna sound really bad. I always forget which part of Ireland is part of Bryn and then I always forget well no I know it's probably but then I always forget where Seamus is from so yeah but to have Seamus Butch Pete Dunne Drew you, you then, could barely get Butch uh, out can't there do it. I still can't do it you I still can't do it. it I still can't and then Butch. Bitch, can, we, can we just give big props to Ridge Holland he's been wrestling what three or four years he's a former Max. rugby player isn't he he's a former rugby league player yeah. he's a former rugby league player in Super League got recruited by WWE has been there for four years, I think, three years, and has just main evented Survivor Series in with some of the best talent of this generation in Roman, the Usos, and Sammy. Some of the best they have to offer and did not look out of place. No. Like, that is a huge moment for him. And also, 
correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't too long ago in the grand scheme of things. He did himself a nasty leg injury. Do you remember that? And so Yeah, he lost he lost about half a year, didn't he? Yeah. So it's not like he's had a clear run at this and he got put in a gimmick that, you know, smart wrestling fans that we are, we all went, Oh, the brawling brutes. And he didn't look out of place. He's holding his own. Brilliant for British wrestling. How good Seamus at the moment as well. Oh, yeah. By the way. And I mean I've I've liked Shane for a long time because the bro kick is one of my favourite finishers. Because we could all do re- it. We could all do and, it. And also, he just kicks your head off, <laughs> and like that would really hurt in real life. Yeah. That that would put you down. Um, and then he had his tough time, didn't he? Through like when he was the guy to take the title off Roman, when no one wanted Roman to win at Survivor Series, but then they even want they wanted Sheamus to win even less. Mm. That was a tough time for him. But he's had what I think will be match of the year this year. That match with Walter at Clash the Castle, I think, will be match of the year. That was what that was just incredible, and he's just on a, probably the the best run of his career in yeah. his forties. I'd like, say he's so. Just excellent. He's excellent at the moment. And I saw an interview with him where he essentially said it's because he he just sort of started relaxing into it. Just and you forget that we're watching these men, much like Ridge Holland, we're watching these men and women evolve in front of us they they don't really get a chance to to do they they have to grow in weird analogy look at the acclaimed right in aw they've had to grow into that role in front of us sheamus has had to get to where he is now in front of us and yeah he deserves his flowers he's become unmissable here's here's a here's a big statement but i think you'll agree if you plugged a sheamus roman reigns feud in right now just to get us to the rumble say we weren't doing ko or to get us to mania that would not feel out of place. Let's talk about AEW. We saw MJF make his return to AEW Dynamite for the first time since winning the World Championship. He betrays William Regal on a show that also saw the best of seven series continue between Death Triangle and The Elite and the return of Hangman Adam Page. But it's Regal an MJF that everyone is talking about, about a 15-minute talking segment where MJF unveiled a new belt, addressed the issues with the firm, defined himself definitively as a heel, threatened to leave for WWE in 2024, name-dropped Triple H, and then turned on William Regal with the first physicality towards Regal in I don't know how long. Um, Discuss, Charlie. Just a usual 15 minutes of MJF, wasn't it, really? Um, first up, I, I don't like personalised belts. No. That's a me thing. I just don't like them. The only one that was ever good was the smoking skull. Not the spinner? You didn't love the spinner? Don't. Well, I did when I was 10. Yeah. When I was 10, when he unveiled it, I thought the spinner was the coolest thing in the world. But at the time, 10 and a half, I thought it was tacky. Little segue, what's worse Spinner but blinged WWE Championship or Great Big W on a leather belt championship that looks like you can knock it up in your own backyard? Spinner's worse. No. Yeah. At least a spinner had diamonds and gold and stuff on it. And you know what I hate? What I'm going to go, what I hate is it's not like WWE have lost all their good belt makers. They made the United Kingdom title in the last five, six years. They can still make nice belts. So give us a nice WWE Universal title, please. Yeah, I think for Christmas, we should ask the wrestling fairies to redo all of WWE's title belts because they all, apart from the the, the UK championship, they all look pretty terrible. The new US title's horrible, by the way, with that big eagle. It looks like a milk milk bottle top. It looks like... 
cheapest it looks material. Like, you know when you used to do Microsoft work, um, Microsoft art or paint? Yes. And you'd accidentally stretch it horizontal, like landscape a little bit too much. Mm. That's why it looks like it's just stretched out a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Not where I thought I'd get to on MGF was Microsoft Paint. Go on. Um, don't like the new belt particularly. Understand why he is his character would want one, but not a big fan of that. Uh, like that he's definitely a heel. Like that he's still... T- it's not like he's like, oh, I'm Mr. AW now. He still wants to go WWE. He's still doing all that. Uh, as long as it was safe, which I'm sure it was, brilliant to see the fact that Regal is in a um, space health-wise that he can get physical. Why did he punch him, though? That's confused me. I don't... I don't know why he punched him. Mm. I don't know. So I I have thoughts on this, which is okay. Let's let's do the good. Okay, let's do yeah. what I really liked. I am a big believer that AW goes too quickly with things, and I loved, 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 loved the way they stuck with it, the way they reacted, the way we saw it, and they took the ropes apart and they wheeled him out and they played it straight and they played it straight, and then you come back after the break and they're still talking about it. So I think that is brilliant. I love the way they explained away why Brian Danielson wasn't able to get there straight away because he was in the trainer's room. I love the shock factor of it. I really enjoyed that. So I liked all of it. I thought uh, OK MJF promo is still really good by his standards. However, it was far too long. Far mm. too long. Try to squeeze in too many stuff. No one cares about the firm and this storyline. No one cares about it. Um, don't know why they had him attack Regal this week, although I don't mind it for the shock factor, but it just... I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if persisting with MJF as a heel is the right way to go. I just don't know. Yeah, it's. I feel like we sound like spoiled children. We say they go too quick, they do too much, and we don't like it. Now it's too slow and they're doing too much like that, but it just... The problem is, it's been so good up to this point, and then it's just a little bit confusing. Now, they might come out next week and explain it all. And then out of nowhere, we're seeing all these rumours on the dirt sheets that Regal's back off to WWE, and that's him done, mm. which would be Which would explain crazy. it, which would make it's sense. Said, but also, not sure how that would work contractually, but what do I know? Mm. Um, I just, yeah, I'll need MGF to explain why he hit Regal, but I am excited for fired-up Brian Danielson trying to avenge it yeah i mean i i see i'm in a slightly different position to you i would have liked him to deck regal and then walk away because there are no words mjf could have said there which he did he knelt down and he said here's why i did it and i thought no 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 don't do that there's no words that are more powerful than what you've just done leave us with that suspense that storytelling but just from a logistical point of view regal betrays mox who is a beloved babyface. Regal comes out the week after doing that and heals on the crowd. MJF comes out and heals on the crowd, then attacks the heel anyway. So I I don't know what I'm meant to think here. I, I don't mind MJF attacking Regal because he is the devil, and I can sort of see how they might get to a point where Regal was out-deviled by someone else, but I just... It was just too much, and I really, really, really don't like. You've just become AEW world champion. Don't go on TV. I know it's your stick, but don't go on TV and start talking about how you really just want to be in WWE and this is a bargaining chip. 
you you are talking yourself down. And I get it if you want to be a heel, but you're defining you down by constantly doing that. Off me soapbox. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it defines you down, the company down, the title down. That's never, ever a good place to be, I don't think. So I, I'm still very excited for an MGF title run. I think it's going to be very interesting. Mm. But it was maybe the first miss we've had since the Mox MGF stuff started. Yeah, I don't even know if it was a miss. It just, I, and some people have said segment of the year. So this is just my opinion. Okay. And I, like I said, there was a lot I loved. Um, James on Twitter says uh, the story they've told over the past month or so says everything that needed to be said. I like the take of him just walking away. Amy says, I think because the crowd was starting to cheer him too much, they're really trying to push the point that he's a heel and they think the more he talks, the more that point will come across. But I agree, sometimes less is more. I'm nervous as to how they'll handle him being champ. I think if you want him to be a heel, putting him up against uber babyface Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson is the way to go and they will bang whatever that poor old Ricky Starks who's got this title shot of winter is coming now everyone's going sorry Ricky don't even care about that we're after Danielson yeah Ricky you're an afterthought now mate I'm afraid yeah Danielson and MJS can be a great feud um I like what do you like that AW have done is they've gone right let's just put our best guys together let's go Mox Hangman as well yes. let's go Death Triangle Death Triangle Elite Danielson MJF Mox Hangman. We'll just get some good wrestling in, shall we? I love the way Hangman came back. I love, again, credit to AEW. We have been big critics of they do something and they move too quickly. We had that proper brawl go through the show. Now, I can't. I was thinking about this when it happened. Have you got opinions on brawls like that when you've got many men trying to hold you back? I, I, I don't you like men- it. Yeah. I, I've said it before, I don't like it. There's only ever been one good one, in my opinion. That was Lesnar Taker before the 2015 Hell in a Cell, where... Lesnar shouted, um, what did he shout? Lesnar shouted, you'll have to kill me. And Taker said, okay, I will. <laughs> and I just can't get behind when like 30 men are holding them back and they break out. Yeah. I'm like, how? It's just stupid. Um, so no, I don't love pull apart brawls like that when they're done like that. I, I thought it was great. I thought we got lucky as well with Moxley almost falling off. Well, he did. He fell off the stage. Did you clock that in the brawl? I did. And he wasn't hurt, thank God. The man is just, I mean, talk about AEW stinker of a year in 2022. Could you imagine if John Moxley did himself an injury by falling off the stage? I mean, I think that is going to deliver. I think it's good to see Hangman Page going, because if you're going to spin Mox away from the title, that's a way to do it. Put him with Hangman. I mean, what I would say is I guess you've got another situation where you've got two faces going up against each other, and maybe we could just do with a little bit of clear-cut face and, and, and heel work in AEW. Yeah, a little bit. I, t- I tell you what else I think AW struggles with mm. is there is no value in their secondary title. None. There's nothing for someone to go and fight for except the world title. Like the TNT title. Where I, right, genuine question. Who's the TNT champion? Samoa Joe. I didn't know that. Yeah, because Samoa Joe is also the Ring of Honor television champion and is feuding with Wardlow and Hobbs over both. Um, right. We've got the Trios Championship up for grabs in in, yeah. in the best of seven. We've got the All-Atlantic Championship, which Don't seems... get me started Too many the t- All-Atlantic Championship. Then all the Ring of Honor Championships thrown into the mix as well. It is just too many titles. Too many titles for but everyone. Too many, and none of them have any prestige. If you're not fighting for the world title, there's nothing for you to go after. Like, Look at the US title in WWE at the moment. Look at the IC title. They are worth... We're having a, to- we're having a tournament to go and face Gunther. 
we have. By the way, I can call him Gunther Fine now. I'm I'm all right with that one. It's, I'm okay with that one. So, now. so you're okay with Gunther? You're okay with Butch? Which really? No, I'm not okay with Butch. Oh, you're not okay with Butch still? I can't really say Butch still now. So, do we have to concede that maybe Vince McMahon knew a little bit about what he was doing when he rebranded? Well, yeah, but I uh, I'm okay uh, with Gunther. Yeah, I'll never. Under- I don't think there was a need for it ever. Damn it, Charlie! He's more German. <laughs> <laughs> but the man's not German. He's Austrian. Damn it! No one cares. But <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I got sidetracked again. Um, Titles. What, what's Vince up to nowadays? Now you've got me thinking. What is Vince McMahon doing? I like to think Vince is pottering round a retirement home, trying to build the WrestleMania equivalent of like a, a backgammon tournament. And yeah. He's just like, we're going to make it the best backgammon tournament the world's ever seen. Or I don't know. Wendy, Wendy, you've got a shot at Tracy's title. <laughs> don't care. A Sorry, now we're, now we're really said Yeah. So AW secondary titles. built their secondary titles enough. So if you're not in the main event, it's not must watch. Like there's nothing I'm thinking I've got to go and see that because I don't think there's any stakes. And that that's hurting them a little bit at the moment, I think. Um, also on things that AW aren't getting right, I don't think. Jim, when Hook was the hottest thing in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Where is he? Is he on Rampage all the time? Is that why I'm not seeing him? He's, he's on Rampage a fair bit. This goes back to, I think Tony Khan has got shiny new toy syndrome. And he, AR Fox is the shiny new toy that he's just signed. And he, he's putting um, a load of attention on him. I think he, Tony Khan is like the smartest guy in the room but he's too smart for everyone else and he needs someone to sit. You know, like they always used to say about Vince McMahon and Vince Russo. Vince would throw all these ideas out and and, and Vince McMahon would say, right, we're doing this. We're going to go in this angle. I, I, I do think, and I think it's getting better. I think we're seeing more multi-segment storytelling. I still think it's a good watch. I just think there's, there's, there's not enough focus and there's not enough. For example, who is Bow Wow and why is Jade Cargill feuding with Lil Bow Wow? I mean, I know he's a rapper, but I feel like I'm missing storyline. I, I I'm the wrong man to ask. But it's, it's it's taken up time on television. Where's Darby Allen? I know he's on Rampage, but why is Darby Allen not a huge part of Dynamite each and every week? I mean, FTR are sort of on Rampage, but I, I don't know. I just think too big a roster, little bit scattershot, but. AEW does feel like it's got some stability again. After yeah, AEW's AEW's not bad. AEW's not bad. We're nitpicking. AEW's a good watch. If that was the only wrestling we had, I'd be happy. Do you know, I don't think we're nitpicking, though. I don't think we're nitpicking. I think it goes beyond nitpicking. I think we're now in, in year three syndrome, where the shiny new thing, it's great to have, has gone. Now we've got a settled product, and it is fair to look and go, okay, is it growing television-wise? Not really. Is it... um. Selling out arenas, yeah, it's doing that. It's getting mainstream attention, but we can't be uncritical. In the same way, we're not uncritical of WWE. We have to be a bit critical of AEW, but we also have to praise it. Some stability there again. Looks like we're getting some interesting stuff going on. Uh, shall we do everyone's favourite part of the podcast? Earning the push and back to developmental. These are things from everyday life that we love or we hate. They cannot be wrestling related. First or second, Charlie Beckett. I'll go first. I'll go go first. for it. Go for it. And the push for me this week is whoever invented the paint roller. <laughs> okay. Because that changed the game, didn't it? Not having to brush everything. Yep. Yep. Um, very simple. It saved me hours. Amazing. Hours. Amazing name for a finishing move as well. The paint roller. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Like some sort of like 
you know when RVD used to um, do a summer, uh, like a forward roll into a splash, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, the paint roller. Some kind of like uh, in the turnbuckle cannonball splash, the yeah, paint roller. Yeah. 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 Um, bad developmental. I've got two. I've got one paint-related, one not paint-related. Oh, my um, God. Okay, right. Tell me. And I'll give you an insight to my week, these will. Uh, the paint-related one is cutting in. Oh, my God. It's the worst. What are we talking about? What is that? So, obviously, so I'm talking to talk like I'm a painter and decorator here. I'm about to find <laughs> out. So, when you get to the edge, obviously, your roller can't go right up to the edge. You have to get the brush and, like, cut in the edges okay, yeah. a bit. Well, the room I'm doing has a chimney stack in it, so there's just so many edges. Oh. There's just so much. So it's take genuinely, it took me four and a half hours through the whole first layer of the day. I genuinely think three of them would spend cutting in mm. and the rest rolling. So cutting in's a nightmare. But this is where you and I are different because I would just say, do a shoddy job. Just don't cut in and do it really badly. You're so good at so many things and such a perfectionist in your professional life, but it doesn't go to the rest of your life, does it? Not even slightly. I would just move. I would just say, <laughs> let's move house. I would just move. Do DIY or move somewhere else. Let's move. That's the easy. But then you are professional in your gardening. You're, yeah. Not at anyway. the, the moment. You haven't seen the garden. No, yes, no, you haven't seen mine either. Winter <laughs> is not being kind. Um, and the other one, my biggest back developmental, is getting pictures from your loved ones when they're on holiday and you're not. Go on. Do you want to elucidate on this? My better half is having the time of her life in Dubai. Playing and watching, playing in and watching the Dubai Sevens tournament in 30 degree heat. The teams she's playing for have put her up in a five star hotel. When I was at about one o'clock on Tuesday, when I was covered in paint and cutting in for the third hour, my phone went ping. I thought, oh, look, I've got to text my better half. That's nice. She's thinking of me. It was a video of her dune boarding in the desert in Dubai. Oh, come on. That's not what I needed at that point. Come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So. People you love, being on holiday, having a good time when you're not there. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Um, Right, mine are are sort of related. My back to developmental is pundits who pontificate on the rules without knowing the rules. And I'm specifically talking about any ball-related games, but particularly football at this World Cup, which I have caught a fair bit of. I I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to have... Pundits say the sentence, well, you know, for me, and then make up whatever definition of the rules they wish it to be to suit their viewpoint. And it happens all, well, for me, that's never a red card. Fine, but here are the rules. Well, for me, you know, the ref's got to be looking somewhere. Fine, that's not the rules. And the rules are there, and if you educated yourself a little bit, you would not be going, for me, that's not a red. You'd go, that's clearly a red by the rules. And how we end up in this position, I will never know. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Bad punditry really winds me up. Oh, it's, did you see, Um, we recall on a Friday, it was Japan against Spain last night. Did you see see that in any I way? didn't see I saw the result. I didn't see it because I was training, but I didn't see the result. So, I did see the result, sorry. So there was a controversial goal where the ball may or may not have gone over the line. And this particular television channel I was watching was, was essentially conspiracy theorying it up, going... <laughs> When are we going to see footage of whether the balls are... Where, where is the footage? Where's the VAR footage? As they were showing on screen the footage of the ball. 
And and they well, to me, that clearly looks like it's over the line. And you go, but it doesn't matter what you think. They're a rule. It must frustrate you when you watch rugby and you hear people yeah, talk that way. Yeah, and also on that one, we have technology that the ref knows what goes over because his watch vibrates. Yeah. Like that that technology's been around for a while now. So I've seen that bit on Twitter about how it's the the angle. Yeah. Someone did a really good tweet of that where the camera angle is, the ball is not over, but it can look over because of the shape of the ball and the angle. But you just just back the technology. And also, sport is subjective. It is subjective. You will, and until pundits recognise that sport is subjective and you will always have an element of subjective decision, oh, drives me mad. However, my earning the push is Clive Tilsley because yeah. Clive Tilsley is an excellent commentator and he does not get the love he deserves and he has been fantastic for, for, for decades. He's a voice of the Champions League for me. I don't care that Sam Matterface, who I'm sure is a lovely guy, is doing it now. Clive Tilsley will always be the voice of football on ITV. And he just, every time he's on, he makes a game better. Especially when he's with Ali McCoist. Yes. Yes, he Ali does. McCoist is makes... I could watch the most unimportant local league game of football. But if Ali McCoist was commenting, I would enjoy it. He just loves football. And he loves it, and it comes through in his commentary. And it makes you realise, and I know you're a sports broadcaster, and I've done a little bit of commentary, but it makes you realise the genuine importance of good broadcasting and what you can add to the event of sport. Because when you get bad comments, when you get okay comments, you don't realise either way. But when you get bad ones, it ruins it. But when you get good ones, really good ones, it just... It makes it such a better viewing experience. And it's the same wrestling, actually. Bring it back to wrestling. Yeah. I think I am missing Pat McAfee at the moment. Now, uh, I was going to wrap up, but let's just touch on this. Because you know what? I was watching AEW and I was thinking the other day, I was thinking if I was Tony Khan, I would be banging down Mauro Ronaldo's door. Because <laughs> one thing you could do straight away, in my opinion, to make that product even more watchable is is change the commentary team. I know Excalibur has his fans. It's all personal taste. For me, if I had money to spend, I'd... The fact Mara Ronaldo is not commentating on a weekly wrestling show, and maybe it's his choice, but it's criminal for me. He is so good. Yeah, I also don't think three-man booths work. I just have two. Mm. I think two works. Two is how I do it. But, yeah, and I hope... I know Pat McAfee's off doing college game day. I hope he does come back to WWE. I hope his time at WWE is not done because him and Cole were brilliant. So, yeah, good sports broadcasting. Clive Tilsley, Ali McCoyst, all these people, massively brilliant. Let's get Clive Tilsley to call the Royal Rumble. With Ali McCoyst. With Ali McCoyst. And just have Clive Tilsley, when they eliminate the last person, go name on the trophy. Just some classic, yeah. or like, hello, hello, that type of thing. Some yeah. classic Clive. Excellent. Uh, right, look, uh, so you've got your fancy booking challenge for next week. How Sami Zayn beats Roman Reigns for the WWE Championship, how you would have it happen, where you would have it happen. Final question for you, Charlie. Looks like Kevin Owens is the way we're going for the Royal Rumble uh, title shot. Is that what you would do? Is that what we're going to see progressed on SmackDown this evening? Yeah, that's the way I'd go. I think you have to. I think that's the obvious choice now, and it feeds into the Bloodline story with Sammy. So, yeah, 100% for me. Okay, we shall see next week. Get your fancy booking in to Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter, Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Tell other people about what we do. Enjoy your wrestling week, and we'll see you here next week when we'll do it all again. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>